Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Praise God. You can be seated there. You know, it's scary up here. Just going to say it is. But you know, when the Spirit of the Lord gets a hold of you, man, it changes everything. I got 10 minutes, so I'm going to breeze through this. <clears throat> Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. And we're going to start there. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about conforming to the world or not conforming to the world. And um, maybe challenge some of you to counter the culture out there that, uh, that, will, that will try and change you. Um, can I get a time up there? Um, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, uh, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, this scripture says that, you know, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, that's true worship. You know, we come up here and we praise God, but true worship, true worship is when you, you live a living sacrifice to God. You know, in the Old Testament, you'll, you'll often read how God's people were unfaithful to him. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10 through 12, it says, When all the generations had been gathered to their fathers, another generation, a new generation, arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work in which he had done in Israel. How could it be that they didn't know the Lord? Whose fault was that? You know, it was probably the previous generation not taking God very serious and didn't impart. Verse 11 says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods amongst the gods of the people who were all around them. In other words, they conformed to the culture around them. And they bowed down to those gods, and this provoked the anger of the Lord. <clears throat> Um, I'm going to open up a prayer really quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, and I pray, Lord God, that you would help me minister this message, Heavenly Father, and communicate exactly what you want me to communicate tonight, Lord God. I pray your spirit come upon me right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Um, you see this happen often in the Old Testament. The, the children of Israel would uh, betray God, forsake him, and worship Baal gods. And it, it, man, because this generation we just read about, they lacked, because they lacked a firm knowledge of God, they were susceptible to foreign influence because they lacked a firm knowledge of God. They were susceptible to foreign influence. And, you know, what happens when you don't have a good foundation in God and his word? You become susceptible to foreign influence and ideas. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of foreign influences and ideas out there in the world. The culture surrounding you in this world has great, great influence. Don't be deceived. It has great, great influence. You and I have to find out certain things in this culture that are not healthy for us as Christians constantly. We even have to fight off some things in the Christian culture that are rooted in twisted doctrine. There are teachers out there you, you don't even know personally who teach, who's teach subtle compromise. And they attract people who have itching ears. And it becomes a whole culture. And you have to be careful. We have to be careful. There are a lot of unhealthy ideas and habits in this culture that don't add up, that, that don't add to our spiritual lives, but actually take away. There's a lot of unhealthy things out there that don't add to our spiritual lives, but take away from it in this culture. And they deconstruct the disciplines, replacing them 
with bad spiritual habits, bad habits. Replacing good spiritual habits with bad ones. You know, I don't want to imitate the culture of this world. I want to offer myself, as the scripture says, a living sacrifice. Because that's my reasonable service. I want to be a partner in Christ's suffering. You know, the church should be a counterculture movement, not blend in with the culture. Let me say that again. The church should be a counterculture movement, not blending and mixing in with the culture. Every age group is influenced by the culture in this world, young and old. If we don't constantly examine our hearts for unhealthy influence and habits of this world, they will chisel away at our spiritual lives. And they do in many cases. It's slow and subtle conformity. It's slow and subtle conformity. What did the text scripture I said? Do not conform. But those cultural influences slowly cause us to conform. The devil uses culture to chip away at your values. He sneaks in. He sneaks in uh, his values. Now, you know what? We'll have a mere form of godliness with no real power if we allow the culture to really get into us. Um, and I love the scripture in Proverbs chapter four, verses 23 to 26. This is such a good scripture. I mean, this kind of just sums it up above all else ground your heart or guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead, straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you be careful, be careful, uh, give careful thought to the path of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. This is, a, this is a commission to you. Be steadfast. Be thoughtful where your feet go. Be thoughtful where your mind goes, where your heart goes. Be very careful and be steadfast in all your ways. Sometimes we need, a, we need to hit the reset button and examine what unhealthy characteristics we might have picked up from this culture because we're all mixed in this culture. <clears throat> Maybe you used to be closer to God. And now you feel like you barely know him. Maybe the culture might have changed you. Replaced something good in you with something bad. Maybe you used to talk to God all the time and you barely do now. Maybe trendy TV shows and social media got you distracted. Changed by the culture. Maybe at one time you just wanted to serve God. And now he gets in the way of your fun time, your me time. Changed by the culture. Examine how the culture might have changed you, changed your relationship with God. here's a question. We've been talking about mosaic, right? There are two mosaics in this world. There's God's mosaic and and then there's the world's mosaic. Which do you blend in with better with right now if you're to be honest with yourself? Which one do you look more like a part of? God's mosaic? You know, it can't be both. You can't serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24, you'll love one or despise the other. Choose this day who you will serve. Joshua 24, 15. We'll either conform to the world's mosaic or God's, but not both. You know, you and I were called to reach the world, not mimic it. Let me say that again. You and I were called to reach the world, not mimic it. You know, I had a vision one day, not too long ago, I... I saw, I saw a flat line. Go ahead and throw that quick little video of a flat line. I had a vision of a flat line. 
And then I saw an image of a corpse. And I, you know, I, I heard the word of the Lord say, the world is dead. It's flatlined. It's dust. Corpses. That's what I heard. And then I thought about Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 2 through 3. Let me read that. It says, the hand of the Lord was with me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley, and, I was, and, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? This is a, this is a vision Ezekiel got. And you know, I realized that valley God took Ezekiel to is this world. That's what God sees when he looks down at the lost, a valley of dry bones. When you go out there, you're looking at a valley of dry bones. They're dead spiritually, the lost. And you know what? When we conform to the image of this world, and we, i.e. when we mimic it, this is what we're mimicking. Go ahead and show that, that picture. <clears throat> this is what we're mimicking, a corpse. When you conform to the world, that's what you're conforming to, to the image of the world. I don't, this is, this is the world, this is what the world looks like that is lost, great or small. I don't care what they've accomplished, how much money they've made, how famous they are, how smart they are, they are dry bones. Rather than speak, and rather than speaking life to them, instead we admire them, we're entertained by them, influenced by them, we mimic them, and are tempted to conform to their pattern. You who are full of life, trying to imitate that. Think about that. Ezekiel 37, 4 through 5 said this. Because, Jesus, uh, because the Lord spoke to Isaiah, continued, he said, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make, I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. In other words, the Lord can bring life to the dead. You and I are called to speak life to the valley of dry bones out there, not conform to it. Let me say that again. You and I are called to speak life to the valley of dry bones out there, not conform to it, not mimic it. You don't, <clears throat> you don't need, let me say this, you don't need what the world has, but it urgently needs what you have in you. And I'll say that again. You do not need a thing the world has, but it urgently needs what you have inside of you. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice to the gospel. That's the counterculture. Don't conform to it. Live your, give your bodies as a living sacrifice to the gospel. John chapter 12 verse 25 says, he who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life, hates his life, in this world, we'll keep it for eternal life. You know, don't get confused what the world is telling you out there. Christianity, we're called to resurrect the dead, to give our lives to the gospel, to lay it down for the gospel. We're not here to have a great time on earth. Our party is in heaven. It's not here. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's all I've got. What's up, guys? How's everybody doing today? Man, I'm excited. I'm so excited to speak tonight. Um, this is my first time speaking, so I'm really excited. Um, but before I begin, I do want to um, honor my pastors, Pastor Omar, Sister Letty, 
um, for giving me the opportunity. Honestly, the, uh, coming up here is a privilege uh, to speak tonight. I also want to give honor to my wife, um, Desiree. I love you. Um, she's always there for me. She's always encouraging me, always sharpening me. And um, today is actually her 10-year anniversary of giving her life to God on the date. So 10 years ago today, she gave her life to the Lord and hasn't looked back. Um, so uh, before I begin, I, I want to promise everybody that Renee and I didn't sp talk about what we were going to share tonight. Um, I'm going to be speaking on culture as well, but establishing a godly culture. So the sermon series that we're in is Mosaic, right? And I tell my connect group this all the time, that I just love how this, this sermon series really highlights the importance of the church, but also the importance of the individuals of the church, right? Tell your neighbor you belong here. Tell your neighbor you're important. All right, so before we begin, um, just bow your heads with me and let's get started in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come up here and speak tonight. Father God, I pray that every word that I speak is not my words, but they're your words. I pray that somebody receives from this, this message tonight, and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to be speaking on culture. Let's define culture. Uh, culture is the customs, arts, social institutions, and achievements of a particular nation, people, or other social group. Um, the words I really want to highlight in this definition is uh, customs of a group. So as I'm speaking my message tonight, I want you guys to ask yourself, what makes a team successful, right? So the Bible calls us to be a team. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it states how we're all one part of an entire body of Christ, and every, every single part of that body has a function, and in order for the body to function properly, we must, we, we must be working properly, right? So every, bo every body part is important for the body to work properly and efficiently. So ask yourself this, are you part of the body of Christ? And if you can say no, I'm telling you right now, you're in, you're in the right place, right? But if you say yes, I want you to continue to ask yourself this, are you a contributing member of the body? Do you come to this church? Are you an active member of this church? Or do you just come here to receive a word and your life is never changed? Every time you come, you just receive the word, but you're never changed by it. Are you an active member of this church? So Pastor Jacob said a few weeks ago in his message, he said um, that we see a lot of consumerism in the church today. So people coming into the church and asking themselves and, and saying, what can the church do for me? Instead of, the, instead of it being the other way around. Um, so I'm going to give you guys five, five things really quickly, five things that create a good godly culture within the church. And as I say those five things, I'm also going to uh, talk about the things that can actually ruin that and kill, kill those things. So what makes a team successful? What makes a good culture? Number one is vision. So they share a common goal, right? Philippians 2.2 2 says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. So what is our duty as Christians, right? Um, and when I say this, I don't want you guys to get confused with duty and, and purpose as, as works because works can't get us into heaven. But um, we do have a purpose. We're called to do something, right? So what is, our, what is our purpose? I believe that we're called to glorify God, right, by living like Christ, which means loving God and loving, loving our neighbor, loving each other. And we do that, we, we preach the gospel not only with our words, but with, with the way that we live our lives, with action, right? And love is an action. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Good culture always follows the example of Christ. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, 
Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Ultimately, we're supposed to live lives that are, that's obedient and that fully surrenders to whatever the Spirit of God is calling us to do. And what can kill this, right? What kills our vision? What kills the vision? I believe that pride kills the vision. And what pride does in a man, so prideful men, what they do is they lack the vision of God because they're so focused on the vision of their own, their own selves, their own motives, right? Psalms chapter 10 verse 4 says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. So that's number one, vision. Number two is communication and relationships. So I believe that accountability plays a big role in relationships. And I believe that trust plays a big role in accountability. In fellowship and discipleship, communication is key, and there's some benefits to communication. There's edification, right? There's encouragement, there's wisdom, and there's healing. Proverbs 13, 17 says, An unreliable messenger stumbles in trouble, but a reliable messenger, messenger brings healing. Proverbs 19, 20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And Timothy 4, 2-3 says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their passions. See, good culture contains good leaders, right? Leaders speaking the truth to their, their disciples and disciples who are willing to accept the instruction, wise instruction. So don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant. You don't know everything right? Tell your neighbor, you don't know everything. <laughs> so what can kill great communication? What can kill great communication? I believe unaccountability and lying can, can ruin communication. Unaccountability and lying leads to distrust, which leads to lack of communication, which leads to lack of relationship. Everyone, um, number three, I'm sorry, Con- contribution at every level. So if Pastor Omar were to do everything in the church, every aspect of the church. He were to do the worship. Um, he were to pray, right? He were to do the offering, the sound, the media. If he did everything, right? If every connect group leader did every aspect of their connect groups, they opened up, they closed, they did offering, they, they spoke every single, every single week. Do you think the, the church and the connect groups w- would function properly? No, they wouldn't. And it, that also takes away from the vision that we're trying to do is build up leaders, trying to allow people to be used, right? So every member should contribute. That creates a good culture. Again, are you an active member of the church? So what can ruin the, the culture of contribution? It's laziness. Laziness. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that for the Lord, you're, the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So we must be careful not to be lazy because laziness is contagious, right? Let's say Enrique walks up to you and says, hey, can you help put the chairs up? And you walk away. Some people are going to say, hey, he walked away, so why don't I walk away? Laziness is contagious. Number four, a culture that values leadership and discipleship. And before I move on, I want to say that we do have a good culture here at this church. We have, a good, we have an amazing culture at this church. See, Jesus is the foundation of this church. And I, I, I thank my pastors for building upon the foundation that, that is Jesus. So this, this church is good soil. So if you're looking for a church, if you're looking for good relationships, you're looking for, for, for your life to be changed, then you're in the right place. Tell your neighbor you're in the right place. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 
It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. See, I believe we have good leadership here as well. And when I think of leadership, I think of the most important position in sports, uh, the quarterback. Who likes football? I love football. I don't like the Raiders, though. I don't like the Cowboys. The Eagles are going to take it all the way. <laughs> but the quarterback, right? The quarterback. You think of the quarterback. The quarterback. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you think of the quarterback. Some quarterbacks, I guess every quarterback, it, you have to have that, that leadership quality, right? But some quarterbacks are called to call the plays. Others, they'll receive the play, but they go onto the field and they look at the defense, right? The defense, let's say the, the defense is showing something. They say, hey, we can run this play. Let's run it. Or if they look at the defense and the defense looks a little, it's going to be a little tough against that play, they'll call an audible. They'll switch up the play. And what they, what they can also do is they can call a timeout and they, they can have that discernment to say, hey, this isn't the right play. This isn't the right time. Let's take a break on it. Let's think on it, right? And I think that's what we have here at this church with our leadership. We have that discernment to, to, to call an audible, right? So we are all leaders. And, and why do I say this, right? If you've given your life to God, you're a leader. And I'm saying this because you are supposed to be a reflection of Christ in your life. You're supposed to exemplify what Jesus did. See, Jesus set the standard, but leaders establish it by living like Christ. So what can kill great leadership? I believe hypocrisy can kill great leadership. Hypocrisy doesn't just ruin your reputation and your credibility. It ruins the, re the credibility of the church. And then it diminishes the power of God in, in the other people's lives because they see the hypocrisy and, and they won't allow the spirit of God in because they're saying, hey, these people are liars, right? It, it gives others a false perception of our beliefs and our values. So hypocrisy can kill, kill great leadership. And lastly, number five, diverse members. I, I, I really love this one. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, I'm not going to read it, but it goes on and saying, it says how the spirit of God gives each person an ability, right? It gives them a gift of, of healing, of, of speaking in tongues, of, of uh, interpreting those tongues. So every person in this place, God has a gift for you, whether you know it or not, right? There's, there takes some maturity to use those gifts, but you're not here by coincidence. You have a purpose. Tell your neighbor you have a purpose. Just a couple more things here. Philippians chapter 2, I'm not going to read the scripture, but um, if you're taking notes, Write down, read Philippians chapter 2. It's very important. Philippians chapter 2 sums up my message. So if you have your own time, please read Philippians chapter 2. It just talks about um, being like Christ, and that's what I'm speaking on today. Having the servant attitude that Christ had. Ephesians 6 verse 7 says, Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And my last point here, where does culture start? I believe culture starts with you. It starts with the individual. If you're here and you can hear my voice, it starts with you. So no church is perfect, but the individuals are the ones that make up the culture. So I need you guys to check a couple things. How is my attitude? Am I approachable? Am I, am, I, am I exemplifying Christ in my life? When people walk in here, how do they perceive you? What can I do to help the body? Take initiative. Be available. Sometimes your best ability is your availability, right? Don't make excuses, right? You make excuses, you start lying, you, be, you begin to believe them yourself. 
Uh, let God be contagious. Don't let problems go unnoticed. Accept correction with a good attitude. And lastly, just be intentional. Be intentional every time you come in here. Be intentional with, worshiping, with your worship. Be intentional with receiving, taking notes, right? Being intentional. Set the culture. Lastly, this is all done through love. The, the Bible says in Romans that love can do no wrong to a neighbor. So this is the action that we put in, into place in establishing the culture. So ultimately, my message tonight, I just want everyone to realize how important they are in this body, in this mosaic that Christ is building in this church. Your time, your love, your efforts, right? Your faithfulness, your selflessness, your faith, it all plays a role in the culture of this church. And remember that God can use you in more ways than you know and you believe. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father God, I pray for every person in this place. I pray that your spirit be upon them. Lord, that you challenge us, God, that you encourage us to be more like you every day. I thank you for your message and what you're going to do the remainder of the night. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit tonight, God. We thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for, for every, uh, every person here tonight, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your word, which sustains us, which gives us confidence, Lord, and gives us assurance in you, Lord. And, and just thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, I love you, Pastor, Sister, uh, Pastor Letty, Pastor Omar. I love you guys. love the pastoral uh, team. I love you guys. Uh, and, of course, I love my wife, Jenny. Thank you so much for everything. And so I, I, I really love the, the, the last theme we just came out of, Mosaic. Uh, the reason why I loved it is because as I look in this room, it's so diverse. And in this room, is, it, it, the beautiful thing about it is that there's so many different walks of life. There's so many stories, different cultures. And yet the beautiful thing, when all of us have baggage, all of us are, are, you know, jacked up in some way, right? But the beautiful thing about that is that God brings us all together and he says, okay, I'll give you, here's my word, here's my spirit, you guys work it together. And it's a beautiful thing and that's a beautiful picture of God's mosaic, amen? So I love that theme, it was a great theme, but that's not what I'm going to talk about tonight. I just wanted to share that thought. Tonight I want to talk about choosing to persevere. Choosing to persevere. James uh, 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love him. And so choosing to per persevere. So I'm going to do a quick survey with you guys. You guys ready? You guys participate? So I'm going to ask you guys a question. So how many in here have felt like giving up at one point in time in your life? Raise your hand. All right, some honest people. How many have felt like, I can't do this anymore? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many have said, I'm done with church? Raise your hand. And the fact that you're here tonight says a lot, amen? So you, under, you understand perseverance. So give yourselves a hand that you're here tonight, amen? But I love the definition of perseverance, and, 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 it's, and it, it says this, it says, perseverance is continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. The action or condition or an instance of persevering steadfastness, right? I read this quote, and I love this quote, and it said, a man is not finished when he's defeated, he is finished when he quits. And so, um, and I realized that the only person who... Uh, the only person who likes a quitter in the kingdom is the devil. Why? 
because he, he's the only one who wins, right? Because when you quit, your family loses. The people that you were supposed to reach lose, and you lose. And so the only, the only winner in quitting is the devil. And so throughout Scripture, there are several examples of people who, cho- who choose to persevere rather than take the easy way, way out and quit. How many know it's just easy to quit, right? It's easy, easy to just stop. But it, perseverance takes, it, it takes grit, right? I love the message Pastor Omar had just preached on Sunday about uh, 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 don't waste the pain, amen? A powerful message. And so um, tonight I have three points. You guys know I love my points, right? my, my, my little points. But tonight I have three points about three people in the Bible who really understood uh, what it was to persevere through hardships, Amen. And the reality is hardships, we all have them. It doesn't matter if you know the Lord or you don't know the Lord. I, I had hardships before I was saved, and I have hardships even when I'm saved. Uh, I, you know, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, but the only difference now is that I have Christ that helps me and sustains me and gives me peace when the trials come. And so back to the, the point. So the first point I want to I share is um, perseverance will strengthen your faith. In Genesis 37 50, I don't have time to go through all of that. I encourage you to do that. But it tells us the story of Joseph who endured much hardships. But even in all his circumstances, he maintained his faith in God. Not once, if you read that story, not once do you see Joseph blaming God or even complaining about his circumstance or his situation. Because rightfully, I mean... He, he really didn't do the things that he was doing. I know sometimes we say, I, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. But we, you know, you did it, man. But Joseph really didn't do it. But some of the things that Joseph went through is that, uh, one is he was hated by his brothers, right? He had family issues, right? He, his brothers hated him. That, that must have been terrible. Um, he was sold as a slave by his brothers. That's, that's horrible right there. He was accused of rape. And he was thrown into prison. Talk about having your, your, your faith tested, right? All that stuff going on. And, and, and Joseph still persevered. I believe that every trial can lead to either a great victory or a great defeat in your life. But that's up to you. Whether you'll choose to persevere or you'll choose to quit. Like I said, we all, we're all going to go through things in life. We've all suffered loss. We all suffered uh, different things and things that happen and sickness and all these other things. But we got to choose to persevere. James 1.3 says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so we need to have a perspective like Joseph. Don't focus on the past defeats. Remember the past victories and how the Lord was with you in those times. And that's going to help you to persevere. Amen. Uh, I, I, Pastor Omar uh, had mentioned it on, on Sunday. And, and it's so true because don't wait, when he said don't waste the pain, I understand that. Um, a lot of times I can relate to people that have come from broken homes or have, have dealt with addictions. Because I, and I can tell them I know exactly what you're going through. And so don't waste the pain, right? And, and don't, don't waste the pain. Be like Joe, have that mentality like Joseph. The second thing is perseverance is contagious and it's encouraging. It really is. And, I'm gonna, and so Nehemiah, I'm talking about Nehemiah real quick. Uh, Nehemiah's passion for God and God's people led him to approach the king. 
about rebuilding the, the wall in Jerusalem. I, I encourage you, if you get a chance, Nehemiah only has 14 chapters. Go back and read it. I can't get into the whole history of it, but it's a very good book. But anyway, so the Jews at this time were under captivity under King Xerxes. Um, so Nehemiah went to the king uh, and approached him to have the wall of Jerusalem built, uh, rebuilt because it was torn down. They were, they were in captivity. They were pretty much under, I believe, I believe, Persian rule. And so, but I love his passion and because uh, Nehemiah, but it was his perseverance in the face of adversity to make sure that the wall was completed. Nehemiah 2, 17 through 20 says this, and uh, I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God. I like how he take, makes that personal, my God, right? Not, uh, not God, but my God. Oh, come on. Um, my God on me and what the king has said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. Right? So right there, he's encouraging people, right? He's encouraging people. Uh, when there was people doing nothing, he just encouraged these men, these, these people to, to get to work. Amen? Uh, so they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began to do this good work. But when Sanballat, the Horon, uh, Hornite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they begin to mock and ridicule, kind of like what, you know, the enemy does. But um, what is this you're doing, they ask. Are you rebuilding against the king? I answered by them saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Amen. And so I love the fact that Nehemiah was able to encourage a whole nation through perseverance. Amen. And you, so you have to claim your victory in the process of building, just like Nehemiah did when he made that claim. He said, the God of heaven will give us success. So when the, in the process of you rebuilding your life, right, because we've been, a lot of us have been living a certain way for many years. So we, we're rebuilding our life. God is rebuilding our life. But you have to make that declaration. The God of heaven will give me success. Jesus will give me success. You just got to persevere. You just got to keep going and you cannot give up. Number three, my last one, is perseverance will affect generations. Perseverance, your perseverance will affect generations. And I can't talk about perseverance without mentioning Paul the Apostle, right? He's a man who, uh, who definitely understood how to persevere in tough times. And I love, I love the book of Philippians. It's a prison epistle, um, and it's, it's helped sustain me in my walk with God because in your walk with God, when you go through tough times, you need God's word to really help you. And, and I can feel Paul's writing uh, and, and what he's saying. In Philippians 4, 4 through 9, I love it. Paul says this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable... If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, 
or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And so how do I know perseverance will affect generations? The reality, because this book was written over 2,000 years ago and just that portion of scripture alone has helped me to persevere in the hard times in my life. And so that's how I know because of Paul's decision to persevere, his perseverance is affecting me 2,000 years later. If you, if you read the, uh, any of Paul's books, his perseverance is affecting you 2,000 years later. That, that's what I mean when I say perseverance will affect generations. That's what, 20 generations? As a generation by 100? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I love, I love, I love how Paul is telling us to rejoice always, right? You got to remember this guy was in a prison. He was in a prison and the only thing he was guilty of was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only thing he was guilty of, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in Philippians 4, 1, 3, we all know this scripture, right? Is that he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. And what Paul is really saying is he's saying that no matter what happens to me, as long as I have Jesus, I have victory. That's what he's saying, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, whether I'm in a prison, whether I'm broken when I feel alone, but I'm never really alone because the Holy Spirit is with me, because God is with me. And so all I got to do is trust in him and know that his word says that he'll never leave me, nor forsake me. So I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be alone and I don't have to quit because he's there to help me. And so, in closing, in the beginning of my message, I asked those questions, right? Has anyone ever felt like giving? Hands went up everywhere. Or giving up. Has anyone ever felt like quitting? Hands went up everywhere, including mine. Has anyone ever said, I'm done with church, I'm, I don't want to go no more? Everybody's, I mean, pretty much everybody's hands went up. I got, one more, I got another question for you. Um, by a show of hands, how many of you are here, or you've at one point in your life gave your life to Christ because someone invited you to church or uh, invited one of your family members. Raise your hand. All right, keep those hands up. Now, I want you to look to the left, and I want you to look to the right. You're here because somebody didn't quit, because someone persevered, and they said, you know what? I'm going to continue to come to church. I'm going to continue. Even though I'm broken, even though I don't want to go, even though I'm, I'm tired, even though I'm weary, I'm going to go. And I always tell this, I always mention this, is that our sal- I know that we're supposed to, we walk our, we have our, our salvation, we, it, it, we have to work it out ourselves, right? Our salvation, I'm trying to, I just got, thank you, Omar. Pastor Omar, sorry. Thank you. Um, but, but in reality, your salvation is also tied to other people as well, amen? And the influence that you have within your family, with your friends. If you have kids, oh, come oh man. If you have kids, you, you need to show them how to uh, persevere, right? You need to show them how to persevere. Don't show them how to quit. Show them, yeah, don't show them how to quit. Show them how to persevere. Show them that church is important. Show them that Jesus is important. Show them that Jesus is the most important thing in life. I'm telling you. And so now I ask you guys if it was worth it, right? Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it to fight. 
It's funny because, and I use this analogy all the time, back in the day on the streets, we were ready to fight with everybody and their mom. But once we, once we come to Christ, we become, we can, we become sissified or we become, uh, uh, like domesticated, uh, we become domesticated and we don't, we, we, we don't want to fight no more. But we, you know, all of a sudden, like, get on your knees and start to pray. Learn how to war in the spirit. You want to learn how to war in the spirit? Come to Saturday morning prayer. If you want to learn how to war in the spirit, come talk to me. Come talk to one of the leaders and I'll tell you, listen, this is how you war in the spirit. Read your word. That'll teach you how to war in the spirit. And so the three, the three men that I referenced, they had these two things in common, right? They love God and they love people. The two greatest commandments. And I believe that's why they chose to persevere because they love God and they love people. Amen. So if I can have, have every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to God, Christians, if you could just pray quietly. I talked about perseverance. I know Brother Renee talked about uh, not, not conforming. And uh, Eddie, Var- Eddie talked about um, the culture and, and, you know, not, and, and having, creating a good culture. And I talked about perseverance. And I, I, I really cannot talk about perseverance and finish it without mentioning the greatest person who, to ever persevere. And that was Jesus. We all know Jesus, he knew exactly what was waiting for him at the garden. He knew what was going to pl- take place. He knew that there was, uh, the, uh, there was wrath waiting for him. He even said, Father, if this cup can be taken from me, let it pass. But if not, but if not, let your will be done. And what was he talking about? He was talking about, he knew he was going to go to the cross. Because at the cross, there was going to be pain. There was going to be torture. And he was going to be broken. But the reason why he did all that, he went through all of that, was for you and I. He persevered for you and I so that we can have everlasting life. And so in this place, I don't know everybody. I don't know everybody. I don't know no one's circumstance. Well, not everybody's situation. But I... If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, friend, he loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. He persevered for you. And God has a plan for your life. And so I, if you say, hey, you know what, Johnny? I, I, I don't know Jesus. I don't have him in my heart. I'm not living right. But you know what? I want to make it right tonight. Tonight I want to make it right. And if that's you and you say, you know what? I, I'm willing to do that. I, I just, would you do me a favor? Lift up your hand. And say, you know what, I, I, I want to accept Jesus Christ tonight. I see a hand back there. You guys help me out. Another hand up there. Amen. God loves you. Another hand back there. Amen. God loves you. God brought you here. It's not, listen, if you're here tonight, it's not an accident that you're here. You didn't walk in here coincidentally. You walked in here because somehow, some way, the providence of God was upon your life. And God said, you know what, I'm, I, 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 this is your time. It's time for, some of you might be, you've been running for God for years. I know what that's like. Some of you are like a Jonah. You've been running from, for Jesus for so many years. But God's saying today, tonight, tonight is your night. Tonight, get it right. Tonight is a, is a day of change. And so if that's you, you say, I'm running from Christ. And I, but you know, I'm tired of running. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of the world. I'm tired of running from God. 
And if that's you, I want you to lift your hand and lift your hand up and say, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to surrender tonight. If that's you, raise your hand. I see a hand back there. Honest hearts. Honest hearts. That's what it's about. You know, I'm going I'm to stay here a little because I know that, I know there's more. I remember 14 years ago, I was sitting in a building on a Wednesday night. I walked in broken. I walked in tired, beat up from the world, beat up from the feet up, man, and, and just in, in pain. And, and I surrendered my life to Christ. And friend, I want to tell you, it's the greatest thing that I've ever done in my life. Has it been easy? No, but it's worth it. But it's worth it, amen. And, the, and, and, and if that's you, you're tired. Stop fighting. Let Christ, you come to Christ. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but, but he's the answer. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And he loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. Anybody else say, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe you were walking with the Lord at one time in your life. Maybe you know exactly what I'm saying right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about repentance or when I talk about coming to Christ. You've done that before. But you say, you know what? I'm distracted. I've, I've, I've walked away from God. If that's you tonight, man, get it right. God loves you. He's not here to condemn you. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to celebrate with you. We're here to help you. We want to help you. God wants to help you. If that's you, you say, I need to get right with God again. I've, I've walked away. If that's you, say, hey, I want in on that. I, I need to get right with God. I've been living my own way. I've been living rebellious. I'm a prodigal son or I'm a prodigal daughter, right? I've, I've, I've left the things of God, but you know what? I need to get back. If that's you, say, that's, I'll come up. Amen. Honest hearts, man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. So for those of you that, that raised your hand, if, if you can just do me do one more favor. I'm not going to ask you to come up here and speak or, or you know, share or nothing. But we do want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. So if that's you and you raise your hand, just come up and meet us at the front, please. You're going to have people that are going to pray with you. If that's you, just come on up. Ushers, help me out here. Come on, we, we, we celebrate with you. We celebrate with you. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. The Bible says that there's a celebration in heaven when one turns from, from his old ways and comes, and comes to Christ. There's a celebration in heaven. Oh, man. Dan the man. Dan the man. How you doing? Gina, pleasure to meet you. I had the privilege of meeting Dan, uh, Daniel. Is it Dan the man? Is that cool if I call you Dan the man? I had the privilege of meeting Daniel earlier. And so, um, and what's your name? And so I'm going I'm to, we have people that are going to pray with you, but I'm going to lead you into, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance. It's not, it's not the, it's not the words that save you, but it's the condition of your heart. The fact that you it's, got out of your seat and, and, and came up here is, is, it takes a lot. And so I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. It's not, it's not the prayer, it's the condition of your heart. The fact that you, like I said, you come up here, God's doing something. And so um, if you guys would just bow your head and repeat after me. And say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of all my sin. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. I thank you 
And I ask you to guide me, to lead me, and to strengthen me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. They're going to they're gonna pray with you guys. Thank you, God. God loves you guys. Hallelujah. Um, Eddie and Renee, if you guys get a come on, we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for some folks. But listen, listen. For the rest of you guys, I, some of you might be in a season of giving up. You say, "I'm done. I'm tired. I, I don't. I don't even want to come to church no more." Right? You know, I'm not saying that you're you're not saved, but I'm just saying you're tired. I want you to come up to the front and 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 and, and come get some prayer. Right? If if you say that's if that's you. If you say, I'm tired, I want to, I've been feeling like giving up, I've been, I've been under uh, duress, I've been under attack, I've been, I've, I, the altar is open, we want to pray with you. Come on, come on, don't be ashamed, there's nothing wrong with getting prayer, there's nothing wrong with coming to the altar and laying it all at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, I am broken, I need prayer, Lord, I need you right now. And so if that's you, you say you need a touch of God, you need more of God in your life, you might say that you're broken, that you're hurting, this is, put your pride to the side, push your pride to the side and come to the altar, men push your pride to the side and come to the altar and get a hold of the Lord learn to fight on your knees not with your hands learn to fight you have to learn to fight on your knees amen thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount to stay connected with us follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount to give and support this podcast and ministry visit our website at reachparamount.com give